Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It's 12.48 p.m. It's the second day of June 2023. And this is episode 739 of Bitcoin and I'm late. I apologize for the lateness of the hour. Clearly, this is not going to be your morning roundup. It will be your afternoon roundup. And we've got lots and lots of stuff to get through. But first, if you didn't listen to the end of yesterday's show, I'm going to put the same thing here at the front so people can hear it. I always, I have, see, That's what I mean when I say I can't market my way out of a wet paper bag with holes in it because I I have like no timing. My market copy sucks, right? So I put that I need your help at the very last part of the show before the show very, you know, ends. Most people don't listen to that part. I get it. I don't listen to the very, 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 very end of most of the podcasts that I listen to. So here it is. It's the first time that I've reached out to a vendor to sponsor the show. I need a sponsorship. It's not because, well, it's, it's well, podcasting 2.0 is not there yet. Not because of the tech, the tech works fine. It's the mindset of the majority of the people that live on the planet. They're not ready for podcasting 2.0. And I... I've been doing this for well over four years. You know, I'm bringing you the news every day for four years. I need help. I need financial help. I do. That That's just the way it is, or, or the show's got to be put on the shelf. And I don't know if I can bring it back, right? So I'm reaching out to vendors. I, I, I think that... I think that, that that's doable because the vendors that I'm reaching out to are Bitcoin only, right? I'm not reaching out to gambling sites. I'm not going to reach out, I don't know, hardware wallet manufacturers that allow you to put shit coins on their wallet. No, 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 I'm not going to do it. If, uh, if it's like a service provider, then they have to be Bitcoin only. Yes, that limits. I understand that, except why is it? Why is it that nobody that has these vendors as a sponsor ever got yelled at because their sponsors were Bitcoin only and when the shit hit the fan... They were the only ones that came out smelling like a rose. I want to be part of that crowd. I want that to be my crew. So what I'm asking you to do is give me five-star reviews on Apple Podcast, where if you can go review it. I put the uh, uh, the link in the show notes yesterday. I'll, if I can remember, and I'm, you know, I'm firing on maybe three neurons nowadays, I'll put it in today's show notes so that it's a one-click deal and you can go right to the podcast the Bitcoin and podcast on Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star review. 
If you can do that, if you can shave off a little bit of time to do that for me, you have no idea how much I'd appreciate that because that really does matter. And I've got a lot of five-star reviews. I'm very proud of them. I want to put more in those because that's something that I can show vendors to say, look, I'm not just blowing smoke here. I really do have 739 episodes. I really have been doing this for four years. I really do have listeners that care. I have listeners that get something out of it. I have listeners that want to see more, or well, see my ass, want to hear more. But I need your help to do it. I also need you to promote the show somehow. You know, I don't know, throw it out in the wind on whatever social media that you have so that I can get even more listening numbers so that when I go to vendors, they're not like going, dude, call me back when you don't suck, okay? (laughs) Because they need to get value if they're gonna give me value. I need to be able to give value to you if I'm going to ask you for your value. It's it's a three-legged stool, the most stable sitting device ever conceived of by man. One thing in the world that doesn't wobble Basically, it's a three-legged stool, and I don't want wobble. Now, with that said, I'm going to get on into the news, but first, I want to congratulate Scott Sibley and his team at Shamari, because Shamari, the game, it's a card game. If you don't know what Shamari is, just look up S-H-A-M-O-R-Y, and you'll find it. I guarantee it. Just Google it, or DuckDuckGo it, or whatever. It's a great card game basically teaching the specifics of Bitcoin and kind of how it works, but a lot of it has to do with mining and they've branched out. They've branched out so much that in fact, Scott Sibley says, we are thrilled to announce our latest hashtag gift a chamois bundle sponsor, which is 1031. A huge thanks to Jonathan Kirkwood for showing his support for our water project with Yousef and BWB while at Bitcoin 2023. We can't wait to get those chamois delivered to the kids in Africa. This connection all began with Lauren's amazing plushy pitch and tagline during episode 292 of Daniel Prince's Once Bitten podcast with Jonathan. Quote, everyone loves Bitcoin. Sometimes you just want to hug it. End quote. We love gifting a chamois to Lauren during Bitcoin 2023. Interested in our hashtag gift a chamois program? We'll learn all the details here. We'd love to have you or your organization as part of it as we work to build a water well and gift as many chamois as possible. These Scott Sibley and his crew are doing the God's work in Africa and beyond. You know, and they're giving of themselves to the world. They're giving of themselves to Bitcoin. If you can somehow or another amplify this message across, again, all social media, I'm sure Scott would appreciate it. I know I do. I was one of the first people to interview Scott Sibley when Shamari first came out because I was captivated by the connections of gaming and Bitcoin, and they knocked it out of the park with Shamari. They have books. I think they've got a small film. Now they've got the chamois, which is like a little plushy doll, and it's really cute. It's based on some of the monsters that came out of the artwork of the Shamari card game. The whole thing is so well put together. The entire the entire line of products that they're doing, it all fits with each other. 
And there's not a lot of companies that can say that with billion dollar budgets. And Scott over here on a freaking shoestring is doing what? Making them all look bad. Bitcoiners, help your fellow Bitcoiners. Now, <clears throat> let's talk about this one. Uh, I got voltage in the news. Bitcoin Magazine, written by your favorite BTC Casey. Voltage partners with Google Cloud to expand Lightning Network solutions globally. Did you hear what I said? Voltage is partnering with Google Cloud. Check this shit out, brothers and sisters. Voltage, a Lightning as a service provider, has partnered with Google Cloud to expand its hosting capabilities and locations, enabling customers to create Bitcoin and Lightning nodes globally. According to an announcement by Google Cloud, the collaboration will allow enterprises to leverage the Lightning Network's real-time payment settlement with near-zero fees, revolutionizing money transfers, and creating new business models. Voltage stated in the announcement that their solution helps enterprises overcome three key challenges. First, they cited the ability to facilitate money transfers over the Lightning Network, offering a cost-effective alternative for financial and fintech companies. Second, by adopting the interoperable Lightning Network standard, Voltage described how businesses can reach a global customer base. And lastly, Voltage highlighted how it enables tra- microtransactions, which have been difficult to implement with traditional payment methods, but can enhance customer retention, decrease acquisition cost, and increase customer lifetime value. By utilizing Google Cloud's vast network infrastructure, Voltage said it can address user needs more efficiently. The announcement described the partnership's several benefits, including the ability to serve a global audience across various regions, initial operations in Iowa, the Netherlands, and Singapore, as well as deployments on a leading cloud platform with superior availability and networking. Moreover, the announcement explained how running Bitcoin infrastructure alongside existing workloads becomes seamless with the assistance of Google Cloud's resources. Google Cloud's commitment to supporting Bitcoin showcases its dedication to advancing this technology and bringing it to a wider audience. The company's expertise in cloud-native technologies like Kubernetes, maybe it's just Kubernetes, also provides Voltage with the scalability required to meet enterprise adoption requirements. As Voltage expands its services through the collaboration with Google Cloud, enterprises in the financial and fintech sectors will be available to leverage the Lightning Network's capabilities. Yeah, 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 yeah. We get it. Okay. What's important here is that it's Google Cloud. Okay? It's not Bob's in Bab's backyard cloud services. Okay? It's Google. Is Google Google good? No, no. Freakishly, the other way around, Google is evil. It's one of the most evil things ever. But, and here's the catch. They're bending the knee. That's the whole, that's why I'm bringing this to you. It's not like, if you were out there screaming, God damn it, David, stop talking about Google. You know they're bad. Yeah, I know they're bad. But they're bending the knee. They're, when you, Your enemy is bad. Your enemy is less bad when they bend the knee. At that point, you might be able to have an actual fucking conversation with them, right? And say, look, we're not pissing in the wind here with you. You need to listen to us. And it looks like Google is starting to listen. If, that, if they get 
a whole bunch of traffic and they their network starts to grow with voltage, it's not unforeseeable that they could start giving Amazon cloud services a run for their money to at least to the point where Amazon cloud services starts acting in likewise manners. All right, so not everything is bad when you place it in the correct context. The context here is bend that knee. Digital Currency Group. Oh my God. They're begging the judge to consolidate class action suits to avoid conflicting decisions. Ezra Barrera has it for Cointelegraph. Venture Capital Firm, Digital Currency Group, and its CEO, Barry Silbert, have requested to consolidate two, count them one, two class action lawsuits over alleged losses during the crypto winter. In a letter sent to United States District Judge Stephen Underhill in Connecticut, the defendants argued that both cases arise from the same facts, presenting overlapping legal issues, and propose nearly identical class definitions. The defendants also argued that consolidating the cases would be necessary to avoid conflicting decisions and promote judicial efficiency. In the letter, the defendants informed Underhill that they had asked U.S. District Judge Louis Lehman to transfer the case from New York to Connecticut. The letter stated, quote, the motion will be fully briefed no later than June the 13th, 2023, and if Judge Lehman grants the motion to transfer to this court, defendants intend to quickly move to consolidate both actions. Within the letter, the plaintiffs in Connecticut contested the move, arguing that it's premature to decide before the case in New York gets approved for transfer. They are also expecting the plaintiffs in New York to oppose the transfer because there is a lot of uncertainty in the nature of the scope of the claims. The lawsuit in Connecticut alleges that Silbert orchestrated a misleading transaction to conceal signs of a $1.1 billion implosion after 3AC started its liquidation proceedings. The defendants face allegations of committing securities fraud for making misleading or false statements. Amid the ongoing suits, DCG has decided to close its prime brokerage subsidiary trade block. According to the firm, the decision stems from the state of the broader economy and the uncertain regulatory environment for crypto in the United States. Trade Block officially started the process of closing down on May the 31st. That was like a couple of days ago. So Barry Silbert begging the court to be moved out of New York jurisdiction and into Connecticut jurisdiction. And it looks like the people on the other side of that court case are saying, no, they don't want to do that. So there's who knows where this will go. Uh, but generally speaking, I, you know, I don't think that Barry Silbert's going to get a fairer shake in Connecticut because I think that that's what this is about. He's saying that he wants to consolidate these two, uh, these two class action lawsuits together on the premise that they share many of the same facts and he doesn't want conflicting results in, in either of the, uh, the judgments either for him or against him. I call bullshit. I think he's going to he thinks that he's going to get more fair of a shake and an easier time at a district uh, court in Connecticut than New York because New York is well New York is New York. I would want to get out of there too, but I don't think it's for the reasons that Barry's stating. That's that's I just think that Barry and DCG is going to end up going down and if they don't they're going to be just a former shell of of you know what they once were 
Uh, do we want to do this one? Where are we at? We're 15 minutes in. Border searches of cell phones require a warrant, rules a U.S. federal judge in a historic decision. This is no bullshit Bitcoin. Yes, it's about phones. Yes, it's about warrants. Why? Because some people have, you know, Bitcoin on their phones, or at least keys, the, the keys to their Bitcoin on their phone, or at least a, a wallet on their phone that's, you know, got a password. Yeah, this shit's important. If you're trying to get across the border with your phone and it has access to some of your Bitcoin, this is for you. Again, no bullshit Bitcoin. Quote, United States Customs and Border Protection asserts broad authority to conduct warrantless and often suspicionless, suspicionless device searches at the border, which include ports of entries at the land borders, international airports and seaports, wrote the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Quote, with United States versus Smith, May 11th, 2023, a district court judge in New York, of all places, made history by being the first court to rule that a warrant is required for a cell phone search at the border, absent exigent circumstances. And there you go. There's there's your get out of jail free card for border for you know border patrol to do whatever the hell they want, because then all they got to do is prove exigent circumstances. But hey. It's a step in the right direction. Quote, EFF is thrilled about this decision, given that we have been advocating for a warrant for border searches of electronic devices in the courts and Congress for nearly 10 years. If the case is appealed to the Second Circuit, we urge the appellate court to affirm this landmark decision. So there you go. Of all places in the world, New York, a New York district court judge, said, now, you, you know, if you want to search somebody's phone, you better have a warrant. Amazingly, the Fourth Amendment got some life breathed into it. it wait, it's, make sure I'm not right there. Hold on. Fourth Amendment. I'm pretty sure it's like the security and papers. Protects people from unreasonable searches and seizures by the government. Your Fourth Amendment, ladies and gentlemen, or at least if you're a United States citizen, that Fourth Amendment has been in the toilet. Actually, it's been in the urinal for 20 years, minimum, minimum, 20 years. The U.S. government is basically, has been pissing on your right to be secure of search and seizure of your personal information, your property, everything, man, without a warrant. And all of a sudden, of all places in the world, out of New York, we get a reprieve. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Okay. BTC pay service or server. God dang it. BTC pay server releases 1.10.0. I brought this to you yesterday. However, what I like about BTC Casey is that he has a chance to digest the information. Let's see what BTC Casey sees that I missed yesterday because BTC server is one of the most important projects in Bitcoin at the time. BTC pay server has released its latest major update. One notable addition is the drag-and-drop form builder UI, which allows users to easily design customizable forms for collecting customer information during checkout. According to the announcement, the team has been working diligently to address outstanding issues and introduce improvements, including a new store role management system and a toggle to protect private data. 
The custom role management system is a significant upgrade for store owners with teams offering the ability to create tailored roles to meet specific needs and grant staff access to specific permissions within the store. The release also includes a privacy enhancing toggle under hide sensitive information, allowing users to hide wallet balances and invoice amounts from prying eyes. In addition to those updates, the release includes improvements to invoice filtering, plug-in updates, and various quality of life enhancements. LN Bank, a plug-in integrated with BTC Pay Server, has released version 1.6, which incorporates the new hide-sensitive info setting and adds wallet balance graphs. The Noster plug-in has also been updated for improved performance and stability. The update also introduces a new plug-in called Auto Forward Payments, which automates the redirection of payments to other addresses, streamlining the payment process. BTC on-chain payments are currently the only supported method for auto-forwarding, however. The release notes also mention bug fixes, uh, addressing issues such as payments not being detected by BTC Pay Server when using LM Bank and display issues. However, users are warned to be aware of scammers exploiting the BTC Pay Server brand and software. Well, that goes without saying, ladies and gentlemen. You should not do that either. So we got some of that yesterday, but B, uh, BTC Casey has this tendency to, uh, you know, give a little bit more detail. And the auto-forwarding stuff is uh, one of the things that I believe I did not uh did not see. So thank you, BTC Casey and Bitcoin Magazine for that one. Oh, where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? We gotta do this one. Breaking barriers. How Bitcoin can transform the real estate industry. All right. Bitcoin and real estate been a theme forever. Let's see where it's going today with Jenna Hall, Bitcoin magazine. <clears throat> You may have heard about how you use Bitcoin to buy a house, rent an apartment, or save your wealth in an inflation-resistant way to make a down payment. But beyond these examples, how else can Bitcoin transform the real the way real estate transactions work as a whole? From cutting out middlemen to creating new collateral opportunities, Bitcoin can transform the real estate industry in ways we never imagined. For instance, imagine buying a house without the need for banks or intermediaries and completing the transaction within minutes instead of weeks. May sound like a futuristic concept, but it's becoming a reality, if not slowly. This, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> there's a lot of pollen in the air in eastern Washington right now. My whole family's having difficulty. Forgive me. Real estate fraud continues to pose a threat to both buyers and sellers, with the FBI reporting over 11,700 victims in 2022 alone. However, Bitcoin has the potential to play a significant role in addressing traditional real estate fraud. Bitcoin transactions are secured by cryptography and once completed, highly resistant to fraud. The cryptographic algorithms used in Bitcoin provide robust security measures against double spends, ensuring that transaction records on the blockchain remain tamper-proof and protected. This added layer of security significantly reduces the risks of fraudulent alterations to payment or property records. And because all parties involved in a Bitcoin transaction would have access to the blockchain, they can collectively validate the property ownership and transaction details. With Bitcoin, property ownership could also be verified through the world's most robust blockchain, which can serve as a comprehensive and auditable record of ownership transfer. This feature could help 
establish a clear chain of title, allowing buyers to ensure the legitimacy of the property's ownership history before making a purchase. By eliminating ambiguity and providing verified ownership records, Bitcoin can prevent title fraud, a scam whereby criminals sell properties that they do not rightfully own. Buying a home is complicated enough, and it can get even more complicated when you have to communicate with several different parties to facilitate said transaction. However, it doesn't have to be this way. Bitcoin is capable of facilitating secure digital real estate deals, which can eliminate the need for intermediaries like lawyers and bankers and maybe even title brokers, but whatever. Traditionally, multiple parties handle handle listings, payment transactions, and legal documentation leading to a great complexity and many additional costs. Bitcoin could theoretically take the place of the verification or payment services that these middlemen provide, streamlining the transaction experience. Buyers and sellers would benefit from reduced commissions and fees usually charged by lawyers and banks. Additionally, cutting out intermediaries accelerates the home buying and selling process which provides a more cost-effective, efficient, and competitive approach for both the buyer as well as the seller. Bitcoin has also opened up new opportunities in luxury real estate markets. High-end real estate properties such as mansions, penthouses, and vacation homes are increasingly being listed for sale in Bitcoin or other digital currencies, and this provides an alternative payment option for high-net-worth individuals who may hold significant amounts of Bitcoin and would like to use it, uh, you know, to invest in real estate. Additionally, the use of Bitcoin in luxury real estate can attract international buyers as it offers a faster and more secure cross-border transaction option compared to traditional overseas buying methods. Yeah, see, that's that's the thing because it's like, you know, you got you to gotta jump through some freaking hoops to legacy buy real estate in a country that you are not a citizen of. Bitcoin helps fix this. Whatever. One of the most intriguing developments in the real estate industry is the ability to purchase homes using Bitcoin. While many Bitcoin users prefer to hold on to their BTC as a long-term investment, others choose to realize the distinct advantages that Bitcoin payments offer over fiat ones. In fact, a Texas startup recently made headlines by allowing Texans to buy homes with Bitcoin. Buyers can choose to pay in dollars or their Bitcoin equivalent for a property, highlighting the growing acceptance of Bitcoin as a legitimate form of payment in the real estate market. Bitcoin can also be used as a new form of collateral in real estate transactions, and according to the IRS, Bitcoin holdings are considered property. At many banks, borrowers can use their holdings as collateral to secure loans for property investments, providing an alternative financing option for real estate purchases or development. This can be particularly useful for investors who hold significant amounts of Bitcoin but don't want to sell their holdings to finance a real estate transaction. Lenders, on the other hand, can benefit from a wider addressable market when accepting cryptocurrency as collateral. So what does the future look like? As Bitcoin continues to draw attention, regulatory frameworks are likely to evolve. Governments and regulatory bodies around the world are grappling with the implications of Bitcoin in real estate, including issues related to property rights, taxation, anti-money laundering regulations. The future could see increased regulation and standardization, which could provide more stability and confidence to buyers, sellers, and investors. All right. So there's, there was, it was made mention of the whole chain of custody, or if you will, chain of transaction on the blockchain. 
Okay. We've laughed about that shit before. However, when we were laughing at it, it was pretty much because in the earlier days of Bitcoin, maybe like four or five years ago, when, when, uh, I was Ragnar, he was one of the first people that started talking about putting tight house titles on the blockchain and therefore your house is secure. And of course, all of us were like going men with guns don't care. Okay. Let me put it to you this way. Men with guns also don't give a shit that there's a piece of paper sitting over at the courthouse at the municipal court in the city in which you bought your house because that's where they keep it. You can go, you can go find a, t- a copy of your title. It's over there. You can go find a copy of the property uh, description, the legal, all of it is over at the courthouse, in, at least in the United States, at least in most states, right? So the men with guns didn't give a shit about, they don't care about that either, all right? They're gonna, they want your house, they're going to take your house, and if you can't defend your house, you're either dead or they take your house. I, whatever, that's beside the point. But we get into the aspect of what? what, do you, what what's the word I'm going to say? Well, I'm waiting for it. There it is, inscriptions, yeah, or BRC20, whatever. I could definitely see chain of custody information, not just in real estate, but in FBI legal matters like chains of custody of evidence actually being done as inscriptions. I'm not kidding, man. I could see it happening. Not only could I see it happening, I could see it taking over the fee market that BRC20 and other inscriptions enjoy now and pushing that bullshit even further down the slope into the Valley of Death where they may be getting, eh, commanding all of one Satoshi per V-byte on transactions. Where now, you know, the chain of custody stuff, whether it's evidentiary, whether it's title stuff, any kind of ownership, I could see that definitely taking the place because... How many of those transactions are done around the world on a daily basis? Probably about eh, maybe two to three orders of magnitude. And I'm being kind in the amount of transactions that you get with bro 20 coins or inscript a coin or whatever. I'm, I'm inscriptions are going to happen. I just, I, you know, this seems more important. This seems like it have, you know, more tan, not tangible. What am I saying? More utility. Title of my house. The fact that I, I can prove that I sold it on this day and here's the transaction and blah, blah, blah. And it's written as an inscription. Maybe depending on the fact that I still don't know what happens. You know, if I, with the ordinals being broken in numbering. Right. We still have yet to figure out that nobody's talking about the fact that ordinals, as far as I know, are still broke. But if they weren't, this makes sense in a way. I'd rather it not be this way. But again, whether it's on a blockchain or in a filing cabinet, men with guns don't care. They never have. Nor will they. Before we run the numbers, let's preface all of today's market data with the following. The United States has added 339,000 jobs in May, blowing through estimates for 195,000 Bitcoin steady at 27K. Coindesk, who's writing it? I don't know who the hell is writing it. Oh, Stephen Alfer's writing it. The U.S. economy added 339,000 jobs in May. 
according to a Friday morning report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's ahead of an upwardly revised 294,000 jobs in April and sharply higher than economists forecast uh, for 195,000. April's job gain was originally reported at 253, and of course, then it was upgraded. They always do that, though. The unemployment rate rose to 3.7 versus 3.4 in April, and against estimates for 3.5, I'm sorry, I'm trying not to laugh, but I get the feeling that that number is complete and utter bullshit, but whatever. The price of Bitcoin remained at just above 27,000 in the minutes following the Bureau of Labor Statistics release. In its fight to tame stubbornly high inflation, the U.S. Federal Reserve has embarked on a historic string of rate hikes since early 2022. Sharply higher rates, however, have barely dented the strong employment market, giving the central bank at least one reason to continue tightening monetary policy. The FOMAC meets next on June 13th, and 14th, and markets are divided on whether the central bank will again boost rates. All right, so that's all you need to know. That's what happened this morning, okay? That's the backdrop of all the market data that I saw this morning, but haven't seen since, and it's now 1.20 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. So God only knows what's happened since then. However, what have I been saying when it comes to rate hikes? All the the last three rate hikes in a row, I said that there would be a rate hike and the rest of the field was saying they can't possibly do it. There's no way they can do it. And I knew that they would do it because if Jerome Powell didn't do it, Jerome Powell would look weak. And Jerome Powell is not in a position to look weak because if he looks weak, the Fed looks weak. And if the Fed looks weak, the rest of the world will go apeshit. Okay, that's just the way this works. Now, where are we? Well, they, you know, they've been raising, they've been raising. Numbers look good for employment, right? Except that Jerome Powell has kind of said that he wants less employment. Does he pause or does he raise? I think Jerome Powell is in a unique position that he has not been in yet. He can if he chooses to pause and not look weak. Will he do that? God only knows. This may literally be a coin flip. But if he raises, then I think he really hates the European Union. If he pauses, then I think he doesn't quite hate the European Union as much as he did before he started with all these rate hikes, because why? The European Union was begging him. They were begging Jerome Powell to stop hiking the rates. And it put them in a situation where they themselves had a an almost credit disaster, which probably was a disaster and they were able to cover it all up, but we'll never know. But this time, this time, Jerome Powell, I believe, finds himself in a position where he could pause if he wanted to. And that's the first time in the last three FOMAX or four FOMAX or whatever it is, however long I've been saying this, that he's been in this position, but we shall see. Now let's run numbers. Earl. Earl is up again today. All energy is up today. 2.68% 
upswing for West Texas Intermediate coming in at $71.98. Brent North Sea likewise up 2.84%, $76.39. Natural gas turned its little self around 1.02 to the upside, $2.18 per thousand. Gasoline likewise up 2.82% to $2.50 a gallon. Peter Schiff is not happy. He's not happy at all today. Why? Because shiny metal rocks kind of having a bad day. 1.54% slide for gold, $1,964.80. Silver likewise down 1.18%. Platinum down as well, 0.4%. Copper doing fine, half percent to the upside. And palladium, palladium. You know, there was a dance club in Lubbock, Texas called Palladium. You know, it was great. It was actually, it was actually a lot of fun. Anyway, uh, 1.89% to the upside for the dance club metal. I got lumber down a half, wheat up 1.51, but that's not the winner today. Who's the winner today in ag? Corn, 2.57% to the upside. Biggest loser going to be coffee, one and a third to the down. I got live cattle up almost a half. Lean hogs up almost three full points. And feeder cattle is 0.04% to the upside and we are saved equity markets look fine dow is up 2.16 s&p screaming at 1.44 percent to the upside nasdaq is also up 0.78 percent and s&p mini leaving them all in the dust three and a third points up we're saved guys it worked we successfully kicked that son of a bitch down the road that poor can is dented AF, and that show road is ever shorter. But by God Almighty, we fixed it, didn't we? What's my advice? Buy Bitcoin. Hold Bitcoin, which is holding at $27,217.31. 360,000 BTC have been sent around the horn in the last 24 hours. The average transaction value is 0.75 BTC. Median transaction value, 199 bucks. Holy shit, I haven't seen it that high in a long time. Eight minutes and 19 seconds reflects a fairly high hash rate. We'll get to that. Uh, 0.46 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis. 79 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And indeed, with a 16.1% rise in hash rate, we are at 392 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is doing well too. All shitcoins are following in Bitcoin's path. 7.3 United States pennies for the dog coin. I got a $528.2 billion market capitalization, which is holding at 3.98% of gold's entire market cap. There is 19,391,005.7 BTC in circulation at this time. And 5,322.6 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $145 million uh, with 71,107 payment channels that we know about. And 64.1% of all that's being run over Tor. We have a 2.1% increased difficulty change estimated for June the 13th, 2023. Mempools are not quite as bad as yesterday and the day before, but 200 and what, 16 blocks? Something like that, 200, somewhere around there, holding 300,000 unconfirmed transactions are currently fetching 
low priority rates of 26 Satoshis per V-byte, high priority transaction rates at 30 Satoshis per V-byte. And let's see what uh, mempool.space's mining says. Yeah, mempool.space mining hash rate is listed at 431 exahashes per second. Let's split the difference and we'll call it 112 ex- or 412 exahashes per second between what I just read and, and this one. I am now number 11 in the top 10. We did it, kind of. And I, but I appreciate it. You know, you guys, you guys tried like letter 6173. Dude, he floated me 22,222 sats. That's a long row of ducks for me. Thank you for your long hours and dedication to make an informative and entertaining daily Bitcoin news podcast. Thank you, brother. I'd boost, but I'm too lazy, says Fatoshi with a boost of 9,845 sats. Nick underscore dose with 69. 69 says, thanks for another great episode. I would say more in my boost, but I hate thumb typing on this phone. Cheers. Fatoshi. Thank God. Fine. Thank you, Fatoshi. Yesterday I was struggling with what the hell is the name of a thing that has four amino acids covalently bonded to each other or five or six, a short chain of amino acids. It's a peptide. For the, how the hell do you have a degree in cell molecular biology and you forget the word fricking peptide? There's oligosaccharide. There's oligonucleotide. And then there are oligopeptides. There's also oligofats too, but I don't know the name of that one because I never really studied that one. <clears throat> we, it just never came up. All right. But oligopeptides. Thank you, Fatoshi, with your 845 sat correction. Uh, Citizens United, thank you again, Fatoshi, with 845 correctional Satoshis. Citizens United is the name of the of the act or whatever that came out of Congress that allowed corporations to have the same rights as citizens, including the First Amendment right all the way up through the, well, all, all of the amendments when you, when you get right down to it. All right, so here we go. Uh... Kvart Beerborn with 250 says, can't wait to see the day Warren publicly shames the Federal Reserve for printing the United States dollar that criminal organizations use all around the world. Oh, the double standards. No shit. No shit. He's absolutely right. More criminals use the United States dollar for their criminal enterprises than any other criminal for any other criminal enterprise in the world, bar none, 99.99% of all criminal activity in the United States is most likely conducted, well, actually in the world, is most likely conducted in United States dollars. Why isn't Senator Warren pissed off about that? Because she makes money off of that. That's why she, that's why. Darren with 200 says, let's get you above the fold again. Pies says 100, with 100 says, thank you, sir. And user 61206424025076727 with 100 says, sending love from Nostragang. Nice, nice. Darren, thank you. I appreciate the 200. Pies, thank you. Appreciate the 100. And user shit ton of numbers. I appreciate the 100. I appreciate all of you. This helps it, it, it's it's humbling every time I look at this. It's why I include it in the show. It's not because you deserve it. It's, well, that's one of the reasons. That's a reason. But for me, the selfish reason is that it keeps me humble. 
so that I can stack more sats. That's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. Yeehaw! Lightning.video. If you have never been over to Lightning.video, I brought you this, I don't know, sometime last year. And it's not getting, well, it needs to get a lot more love. Lightning.video is a basically like YouTube, except to unlock the videos, you need to pay in Satoshis, which you can do within the website itself. So please go over and just take a look at lightning.video. There's like, there's how I, how I make a stake from the CTO. You unlock that video with 210 Satoshis. There's a lot of videos on here, right? Now the, the trick becomes how, how do we get this out? Again, it's up to us. I, I mean, I'm just as much to blame as anybody else. I wasn't tweeting it out when I still had access to Twitter. I'm not noting it out now that I'm on Noster. I'm not doing that. And that shit needs to change. Bitcoiners, helping Bitcoiners helps Bitcoin become better Bitcoin. Wow. How's that for some marketing copy? Copy. Now, solving Lightning's inbound liquidity problem is the focus of a new layer two Bitcoin protocol named ARC. This is Coindesk's Frederick Munawa, listen up, listen close. This is probably going to be a little bit longer. Wait, let me just, yeah, this is going to be just a tick longer than normal, but it's important. This is important. And you'll find out why if you don't know what the hell ARC is. Barack Kiseli, the 24-year-old self-taught Bitcoin developer and researcher who disrupted a large chunk of Bitcoin's Lightning Network last year is now proposing a new Layer 2 protocol dubbed ARC. He says it will solve Lightning's inbound liquidity problem. Inbound liquidity is the ability to receive funds on Lightning, okay? But that receiving capacity must first be established by committing funds and making outbound payments. Caselli says that much like the Lightning Network, ARC will make the dominant cryptocurrencies transactions cheaper and faster, but the new protocol will eliminate the need for a recipient to commit funds. Quote, Lightning has many problems, but number one to me is the inbound liquidity problem, Caselli told Coindesk in an interview. Quote, imagine a payment system where you need money to receive money. This doesn't make any sense. Novices to the Lightning Network running non-custodial setups quickly realize one thing. The system works more like an abacus than a bank account. Users must commit Bitcoin to a channel to create liquidity, the ability to transact on the network. Sending Bitcoin outbound liquidity reduces your funds as expected, but receiving Bitcoin or inbound liquidity also reduces your capacity to receive additional funds, much like the limited space on an abacus. The model makes sense for users who want to send lightning payments, outbound liquidity, but not for users who simply want to receive them, which is the inbound liquidity. They too must pony up funds and either send payments to generate that inbound liquidity or acquire it through other means like liquidity marketplaces. That burdensome requirement for all lightning users to acquire liquidity before using the system simply should not exist, Caselli says. This objection, he explains, is why 
he created Ark. The Turkish-born Wonderkind says he has been working on Ark mostly solo and hasn't incorporated or raised capital, choosing to keep the project open source and donation funded, but Ark is already receiving significant attention from prominent Bitcoiners. Quote, excited to see new ideas like Barack's come to Bitcoin, tweeted uh, Human Rights Foundation Chief Strategy Officer Alex Gladstein. Caselli says he went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole circa 2017 after watching a YouTube video about the mining process. He was fascinated by how a network could generate value from electricity and decided to dive in head first. Quote, I dug deeper into the details of how Bitcoin works under the hood. I built a Bitcoin wallet based on what I had learned. And then over time, I realized Bitcoin doesn't scale. This all happened during Bitcoin's contentious block size war, were part of the community known as Big Blockers called for an increase to the standard one megabyte size of Bitcoin blocks in order to scale network capacity. The Big Blockers eventually created Bitcoin Cash, a version of Bitcoin with enormous 32 megabyte transaction blocks <laughs> and additional functionality that Caselli thought would be useful in creating a Uniswap-like automated market maker. Quote, I thought it could scale on the base layer, so I joined the big blocker camp, the Bitcoin Cash Camp, and I hung out there for a few years. I wanted to build the AMM on Bitcoin Cash first, but it turns out Bitcoin Cash is not expressive enough to build an AMM, he said. He turned to Liquid, a federated sidechain. Uh, on or, or secondary blockchain that interacts with the primary blockchain created by small blocker Bitcoin infrastructure company Blockstream. It's a fork of Bitcoin, but with additional features that Caselli and a friend used to build the long envisioned automated market maker, which they eventually branded to BitMatrix. BitMatrix didn't garner the success Caselli had hoped for, so the young developer took his talents to the Lightning Network. Quote, I shifted to Lightning to improve Lightning. And that's how ARC got started, Caselli explained. So here's ARC in a nutshell. After Caselli turned his attention to Lightning, he confronted the myriad of problems currently besetting the network as he describes them. Poor user experience, suboptimal privacy, payment routing challenges, and then the onerous liquidity requirements. He began working on a Lightning wallet about six months ago to address these issues, he says, and what began as an attempt to create a best-in-class Lightning wallet morphed into a standalone protocol now known as ARC. Talk about shit getting away from you and something called scope creep. Holy smokes, kid. 24-year-old self-taught. Just keep that in mind. Anybody can contribute. Anybody can contribute. Anybody can contribute. And nobody can tell you not to. Quote, at some point I realized this doesn't look like lightning at all. You can pay invoices. You can get paid from invoices. It's a lightning wallet. Yes. But internally at its core, it's a different kind of design. Caselli says ARC is much like lightning in that it scales Bitcoin by transacting off chain. However, Instead of requiring users to commit funds at the outset as a way of establishing liquidity, the new protocol uses ARC service providers, a.k.a. ASPs, who are always on and provide 24-hour liquidity service for a fee. Lightning off-chain channel payments are like a game of ping pong. Coins change hands with a 2 of 2 multi-sig indefinitely until the channel is closed. A two of two multi-signature or multi-sig transaction requires two parties to sign for the transaction to be valid. 
ARC's off-chain payments replace traditional channels with a shared unspent transaction output model that uses virtual unspent transaction outputs, also known as VTXOs, which facilitate unidirectional one-time only payments. Quote, it's like an automatic single hub payment. So it's me, I'm the sender, my partner is in the middle, my ASP and the recipient is on the other end. We collaboratively sign the two of two to push my money to the service provider. The service provider pushes the funds minus the liquidity fee to the recipient. That final push by the ASP is actually an on-chain coin join, a way of combining several Bitcoin payments from multiple spenders to produce a single transaction whose history and ownership are obfuscated. Caselli says coin join gives ARC a privacy edge over lightning. If ARC succeeds, will that spell doom for lightning? Not really. According to the developer, the two systems would complement each other. Quote, as an ARC service provider, well, let's do that again. Quote, an ARC service provider is also a lightning service provider, said Caselli. To be an ARC service provider, you run a Bitcoin node. You run the ARC service provider node and also... You run a lightning node, so what's next? Arc development is still in the early stages. Caselli is currently focused on answering questions from the Bitcoin community and finalizing technical specifications. After that, he plans to put on his entrepreneurial hat and shift to prototyping and raising capital. Quote, the mid or long-term vision for me is to build a company like Lightning Labs, like Blockstream, said Caselli. So I'll be building Arc Labs, to build the key ARC infrastructure, build the client, the daemon, the CLI, the SDK, the tooling around it. So I'll be building an infrastructure company for profit and I will be raising for that. Well, thank you for being transparent about that, uh, dude. Yes, if you didn't remember, Barack is the same kid that, that broke the Lightning Network last year and it was so funny. Oh my God, it was hilarious. But be that as it may, ARC is something you need to keep your eyes on. It's not going to kill lightning and it never was going to, it didn't, there, there could be something out here today, like that get a white paper drops five minutes after we finish this episode, we finish our time with each other. And five minutes later, a white paper drops that describes a layer two solution for Bitcoin that doesn't need liquidity and it doesn't need whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it also doesn't need to run a lightning node and it will do what? not kill lightning. We need more layer two. We need more, not less. We need more, not one. We have one lightning network. It works pretty good. I, I, I'm a champion of lightning. I love it, but I'm not beholden to it. I'm not chained to it. If somebody comes up with something better, by God, I will use it. But I think the I think what's going to end up happening is you're going to have like four or five layer two solutions and they're all going to talk to each other. Maybe some will happen, you know, that they won't talk to anybody but themselves. Guess what happens to that one? Nobody's going to use it because it's not interoperable. Everybody wanted, even myself included, when I first got into Bitcoin, I kept thinking about drive chains and multi chains and because I, I, I was kind of sucked into the shit coinery aspect, but I was more of a Bitcoiner than I was a shit coiner. And yet the prospect of one chain being able to talk to another one intrigued me. 
Now, what I realize is that all the other chains are just scam chains. Whether the people that are behind the chains know it or not, it's just all scams. So only Bitcoin matters. Okay, that's that's a mantra I always say. Only Bitcoin matters. Layer two on top of Bitcoin, that's where I start thinking about what drive chains were supposed to be able to do. That's where the action is going to happen. And then God only knows what layer three really looks like on top of that. It's going to be, it's going to be wonderful. We just got to get the hell out of this stupid ass bear market. My God almighty. Clean spark. They don't give a shit about the bear market. Why? Because their purchase of 12,500 ant miner S19 XP Bitcoin miners says so. BTC Casey. Bitcoin Magazine, CleanSpark Incorporated has announced its purchase of 12,500 Antminer S19 XP Bitcoin mining machines for a total price of $40.5 million. The machines were acquired at a lower price than the current market average, costing $23 per terahash, according to a press release shared with Bitcoin Magazine. The purchase agreement states that 6,000 of the machines will be shipped this month and the remaining 6,500 is set to sh- for shipping in August. So at the end of the, end of the summer. Um, that's all I'm going to read of this because that's all you need to know. We're, in the, we're at the dregs of the bear market. This is the dog days. This is like just the Indian summer, the whatever you want to call it, where it just won't stop. Please, we need a different season of the year. You know, if you ever, if you've spent a second of time in New Mexico at the lower altitudes, anywhere in Texas, Louisiana, uh, probably Nevada, Arizona, any of the real heavy duty Southwest states, especially, you know what it's like. You're begging for fall. You're begging for it. You're so hot. It's so awful. It's just this monotonous trudge. And that's where we are in the Bitcoin bear market. Welcome to Bitcoin, motherfucker. If this is your first bear market and you know it's a bear market because you bought at a higher price than what you have now, congratulations. You know the feeling of a bear market and now you know the feeling of the Indian summer, the dregs, the dog days of the bear market. And they're not over yet. No, 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 they're not. Uh, Because that's one of the ways that the cycle works. Is that a guarantee that we're going to have a huge bull market here in just the next few months? Because that's what always happens. There's no guarantee at all. Again, welcome to Bitcoin. And we'll welcome Qatar because they've been slammed for not taking enough action against crypto companies. Syrian Lions, writing for Cointelegraph, the Financial Action Task Force, our friends, our beautiful friends, the FATF, fat ass, has slammed Gutter Central Bank. Somebody please tell me, how do you pronounce the name Qatar? Is it Qatar or is it Gutter? Or is it Cutter? Q-A-T-A-R. Somebody please get back to me on that. I'm, I'm tired of not being able to pronounce shit. The Gutter Central Bank, or QCB, is being slammed by the Financial Action Task Force for making little effort to enforce its own regulations prohibiting virtual asset service providers. 
In a report published on May the 31st, the Global Money Laundering and Terrorist Financing Watchdog highlighted that Gutter needs to advance its capabilities to effectively combat evolving forms of criminal activity, including sanctioning virtual asset service providers for providing service to people who aren't fucking criminals. Whatever, dude. Quote, it needs to improve understanding of more complex forms of money laundering and you know, more complex forms of terrorist financing because it's all so complex. In December of 2019, the Gutter Financial Center Regulatory Authority announced that virtual asset services may not be conducted in or from the Gutter Financial Center. The regulatory authority warned at the time that the penalties would be imposed in accordance with Gutter's rights and obligations to any firm that provides or facilitates the provisioning or exchange of crypto assets. According to FATF's recent report, while Gutter has made positive and sustained progress in gathering beneficial ownership information for its near-complete unified registrar, or register, a consolidation of data on its citizens, there is still more work to be done. Quote, there's still not sufficient controls enough to ensure that all information collected remains accurate and up-to-date, end quote. Gutter's authorities were urged to improve their investigative efforts towards money laundering, and it was alleged its sophisticated analysis capabilities to identify instances of money laundering are not being fully utilized. While Gutter has banned virtual asset service providers, it has revealed that it is actively exploring potential use cases for implementing a CBDC, of course. It was previously reported in June of 2022 that the QCB, or Gutter Central Bank, is in the foundational stages of issuing a CBDC. The governor of Gutter Central Bank, Sheikh Bandar bin Mohammed bin Saloud Al Thani, revealed at the time that the QCB was evaluating the pros and cons of CBDCs and, you know, working out the right technology and, and platform. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. So what here, here's what really happened. Fatif basically told gutter, you're not collecting information on your citizenry fast enough or cleanly enough for us. Who the hell is Fatif to tell gutter what, what to do? Fatif owns whoever it is in governments, you know, gutters, governments, high echelons. They own that person. Otherwise, the government of gutter, just like the governments of all the rest of these nations, would be telling Fatif to F off, pound sand, go sit and spin, brother. But no. That's the thing. That's the tenfold hattery coming out of me. There are people that have been brainwashed by the WEF and God only knows who else. And somehow they've gotten them into positions of power to where the people that are around them sort of have no choice but to listen to them or they will lose their jobs. It's all violence. This is all violence. Everything about the FATF, the WEF, the UN, the IMF, all of these people are the most violent people you will ever see. They don't necessarily even use guns or bombs, although they actually do because, you know, the United States will bomb anybody that they want. All they got to do is call up the appropriate people that they've put in place. I honestly believe that Klaus Schwab, that his, what, where did he come from? Who is he? How did he get to power so fast? Because he could fucking hypnotize people. I, 
I don't know if that's right, but that's my gut feeling. He's one of those guys that can mesmerize your ass. And he's mesmerized the likes of Justin Trudeau. He's mesmerized the likes of, well, all the young world leaders club that is part of the World Economic Forum. He's been in their heads. I really think that that's what happened. It's like he doesn't have any grand ideas other than the fact that he wants to kill just about everybody that he sees and wants everything to himself and his little buddies. But his real talent is to hypnotize and mesmerize and program people in mass and send them out to go get positions of power. And that's how we got here. Now, it's not all Klaus Schwab's fault, but, you know, you get what I'm saying. Now I'll take the tinfoil hat off and we'll go into these last two. OpenAI's CTO's Twitter is hacked and started shilling scam crypto airdrops. (laughs) We really don't need the details of that, do we? Because it's the same thing. It's like when Jack got his uh, Twitter account hacked when he was at Burning Man and it started throwing out. Of course, that from that standpoint, whoever was throwing out stuff wasn't, I don't think they were scamming crypto. They were throwing out racist comments. But yeah, open AI's chief technology officer, his Twitter account got hacked. Let me say it again. Open AI. Chat GPT-4, the guy behind WorldCoin, his CTO, chief technology officer. Twitter was hacked, brother. Twitter was hacked. Let me make sure he was a CTO. Because it says CTO, but that, you know, maybe it's like chief tranny officer, uh, chief tweeter officer. I doesn't, I'm, I'm actually looking, I'm just actually looking right here. Yep. Mira Murati the chief technology officer of artificial intelligence firm OpenAI was seemingly hacked. How how can you be the CTO of OpenAI and, and not secure something as easy as a third-party web app? Are you serious? Kind of scares me. Kind of scares me. And last one up, TikTok. <laughs> this is funny. We'll read this one. TikTok influencer used Bitcoin to launder 420. $420,000 in COVID relief loans. Pedro Salamano for Decrypt.co. Danish Sahadevan, better known as Danny Devon, on TikTok, pleaded guilty in federal court on Wednesday to charges of wire fraud, aggravated identity theft, and money laundering involving cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin. The District of Maryland United States Attorney's Office said in a press release, that the influencer tried to defraud lenders and the U.S. government for $1.2 million worth of COVID-19 relief loans. Danny Devon became famous on TikTok for creating videos about investing in stocks and cryptocurrency, reaching 26,000 followers at the time of his arrest. At his peak, he had amassed more than 630,000 followers, according to Business Insider. During the onset of the pandemic, the U.S. government enacted the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security, or the CARES Act. They didn't care about nobody. To provide financial assistance to Americans suffering the economic effects COVID-19 measures. This included Paycheck Protection Programs, PPP, and Economic Injury Disaster Loans, or EDL. Both were used by Devin for his financial schemes, according to U.S. prosecutors. Beginning in March of 2020, 
Devin allegedly created fake tax forms and bank statements, then submitted PPP and EIDL applications through several Maryland-based entities that he controlled. Additionally, he used information belonging to an acquaintance without this person's consent to legitimize certain documents, said prosecutors. He applied for roughly 71 PPP loans, according to the authorities, which would have amounted to $941,000. He ultimately received $146,000 in PPP benefits, but he also applied for and successfully obtained $238,000 more through eight EIDL loans. Taking to securities and cryptocurrency trading, prosecutors say that the 31-year-old attempted to launder the government funds, settling personal debts, and then transferring some of the money to his girlfriend along the way. The social media personality borrowed $1.3 million without disclosing the $283,000 debt from his EIDL benefits and purchased a six-bedroom mansion in Potomac, Maryland. These people are stupid. It all came to an end. February the 24th, 2023, when police raided the Potomac residence. Authorities then discovered that Devin held 18 driver's licenses of other people along with 17 grand in cash and what Maryland prosecutors describe as a gold physical Bitcoin in a black case. Ah, oh, oh, what's the, oh, shit, casatious coin. That sounds like he had a casatious coin. Uh, law enforcement seized it all. He now awaits sentencing in Maryland. He faces maximum 20-year federal prison sentence for wire fraud, 10 years for money laundering, and mandatory two years for aggravated identity theft. I wonder if that's times 18 on all those different driver's licenses. As part of his plea agreement, he will forfeit the cash and the Bitcoin he owned and pay $429,000 in restitution. Hey, thanks for your weak-ass hand by being an immoral, unethical dipshit. Because now guess who gets the Bitcoin? The United States Marshal Service. That's who gets the Bitcoins. They get to add that to their little stack so that they can, you know, when it most matters, market sell the whole son of a bitch, crash the price. And at one point or another, this shit's got to stop. Please, 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 please. If you were intending to commit fraud or steal somebody's identity, Sell your Bitcoin first. Don't let the Marshall Service have it. Don't let any authorities have it. Don't let the French guys get it. Don't let the British guys get it. Don't let anybody get it. Sell it. Give it to somebody else. Have it out of your possession. I don't care what. But every time these assholes walk around, do something nefarious, and I get it. You Try to be a libertarian But if you're stealing somebody's identity, you're committing violence on somebody else. So fuck you. I don't give a shit. You know, whether there's a law against it or not, that's wrong. That's just wrong. You know it from balls to bones, head to toe, side to side. That shit's wrong. And it resulted in what? Yet more Bitcoin being held by the United States Marshal Service. Thank you very much, dipshit. That's going to do it for the afternoon roundup. Work hard, play hard, joke hard. Dad says jokes. I can't understand why my calculator just stopped working. It doesn't add up. 
after you're done with the groaning, make sure, or not make sure, please. That's the word that I'm trying to use. Please help me out. Five-star reviews on Apple. Get the show out. Tell your friends and family about it. Say, hey, if you want to find out what's going on in a daily basis in the crypto world, you can play this shit, you know, on your daily commute. Because honestly, podcasts and audiobooks were built for commutes. Purpose built for commutes. You can learn anything you want to learn. I love podcasts. I listen to them all the time myself. But if uh, if you want to help me out, that five-star review on Apple, that's number one. Number two, get spread the word of the show. Number three, if you really want to get, you know, get a, a, up into somebody's grill about it, but do so politely, please. Then hammer your favorite Bitcoin only vendor. Okay. I don't want to deal with shit coins. I don't want to even be on shit coiners radar. I just love the Bitcoin companies that are Bitcoin only that have remained Bitcoin only. Those are the people. Those are the people that are my people. You know, tweet at them, Facebook them, LinkedIn to them or whatever it is and say, hey, consider, consider supporting this dude's show because I like listening to this show. I'd consider it a personal favor if you would sponsor Bitcoin and give it a shot. I don't know how to market. Like I said, I can't market my way out of a wet paper bag with holes in it. I suck at marketing. That's why I need you guys. That's why I love you guys. And I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.